Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. We're going to give this a absolute effort here today, because I am still struggling. I feel fine. I feel fine. But, you know, this happens to me a couple times a year. So the voice is not up to complete par, but hopefully it will loosen up as the program unfolds. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Uh, questions, comments, feedback, community.toddhuffshow.com. You can also join us there as well. And I am honored to have you tuned into the program today. So a couple things, as you know, I've got to say this again today because I just want to make sure um, the time that I'm speaking right now because of our schedule and so forth with some of the, th- the changes with the Truth Tour. This is um, the evening before you're hearing it. So I have not seen if the jury has made a final uh, judgment in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I do, and I normally don't do that. I mean, look, I, I think we have to be careful um, to think that we all, you know, can sit back and watch a trial, but I think it's pretty, and and know what the verdict should be, but this one to me is pretty cut and dry. I mean, when we had the one witness for the state's, uh, one of the state witnesses, basically admit to the defense attorney, and we played this last week, when when he admitted that Kyle Rittenhouse did not shoot him, with his AR-15 until he lowered his weapon and started to advance from about three to five feet away. When he was maintaining a non-aggressive posture, hands up, and the gun not pointing towards Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse had the gun at the ready but had not fired the weapon. It wasn't until he closed the distance, lowered the gun, and took an aggressive posture that Kyle Rittenhouse... Quote, as I, one of my new favorite phrases from this trial, vaporized this guy's bicep. I don't take any pleasure, by the way, that someone's bicep gets vaporized. But given what this guy was doing, clearly on video, he's actually quite lucky there was not a lot more things that were vaporized when he made this advance towards Kyle Rittenhouse. So I don't know. I do not know. Um... When deliberate, nobody knows when deliberations will end. I do not know what the verdict should be. It seems to me, and the judge threw out one of the uh, one of the lesser charges today. Um, was it illegal possession of a firearm, something like that? I have to look at exactly what it was. But the judge threw that one out today, and it seems to me that the table is set and again i'm hesitant to say this because who knows what's going to happen you know you got to think you got to think a lot of people are on that jury potentially some a couple who knows 
who are thinking about what potential ramifications can be in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and in other places around this country from other radical groups, Black Lives Matter, and uh, folks like that, Antifa, who knows, some of these radical groups. The Wisconsin National Guard has been, what, notified to be on standby or some such thing through all of this. So we've got all of this stuff coming to a kind of a culmination here. <laughs> and I'm reminded, it, you know, every day, every day when Jin Saki, arguably the most ineffective press secretary, the most nonsensical, uh, duplicitous, deceptive press secretary in modern history for the White House, for the president, when she takes questions from Peter Ducey, Fox News, he's really about the only one. There's a couple others. But I always see Ducey's, Ducey's comments, Ducey's questions. And many times these questions are pretty, I think, good. And they're questions that should be curiously asked by any, uh, any fair-minded journalist. But Ducey asked Jen Psaki effectively, and maybe I need to cue up this soundbite, but basically he said, or he raised the uh, revisited comments that President Biden, President Biden now, President of the United States made about Kyle Rittenhouse. President uh, Biden made about Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, you're not supposed to talk, especially as commander-in-chief of the free world, on a individual court case for a then 17, now 18-year-old young man named Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is in the postmillennial.com. It says, Saki Dodge's question when asked why Biden portrayed Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. You guessed it, white supremacist. And it says there during a White House briefing on Monday occurring at the same time as the closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Peter Ducey asked why President Biden called Rittenhouse a white supremacist a year ago. Seems like a reasonable and a logical question to want to know, right? And, of course, Jen Psaki doesn't want to talk about it. Jen Psaki wants to then say suddenly we can't talk on uh, anything that's, you know, basically in the legal system. The pre- Something that should have been said when, when Joe Biden made those comments a year ago, right? But see, a year ago, they were campaigning. A year ago, they were trying to make this this a an election between white supremacists and regular people in America. When in reality, what the election is, or was, excuse me, take a sip here. Ah, that's good. So, what the election was was um, a choice between a closet socialist and they they wanted it to be against someone that they had stirred up so much hatred for we've been we've been through this a lot and that's what this election was for a lot of people and so since they were able in the minds of many people to paint trump as a racist as a white supremacist as someone with a a so-called dog whistle for the racist conservatives out there, all Trump had to do was 
say whatever magical phrase and secret code that he had to incite violence and riots and all sorts of things. And that was the narrative going into the 2020 election, all the way through, actually, um, the so-called insurrection at the Capitol on January 20th. And we're still we're still hearing about this. By the way, I did see I did see that Democrats, because they are terrified. That's how I wanted to lead this evening was to tell you how terrified these jokers are, but they are terrified. And we'll talk about this. I just want to mention this off the top, but they're trying to frame the 2022 midterms as Republicans who are just way too dangerous for Americans. They, they are the ones who are out there, um, you know, making this nation be racist and hate people who don't look like whatever white people or whatever the, the narrative is of the day, the, uh, they're homophobic, they're, they're racist, they're sexist, they're bigoted, and they're trying to usher in, probably in the, in the minds of the left, or in the, at least in their arguments, a pre-Civil War sort of mentality. So we'll get to that as the program unfolds. But why was Biden making these comments about Kyle Rittenhouse a year ago? I mean, if he can make him a year ago, isn't it fair game to be asked to explain those statements really at any time any time after they're made? He's the one that made it part of the of the actual narrative. Why are we now suddenly unable to ask the press secretary to expand upon this? Instead, she gives some sort of a nonsensical Absolutely insane, ridiculous answer as per her usual. So, that's kind of the back, uh, backdrop for this. So, let's see how that played out between Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki yesterday, White House briefing. And just something tied to an ongoing court case. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? Uh, so, Peter, what I, I'm not going to speak to right now is anything now. about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the then. president's past comments. Uh, what I can reiterate for mm-hmm. you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunists corrupting peaceful protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent anywhere in the country. As you know, closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to, I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, there's an ongoing trial. We're awaiting a verdict. Beyond that, I'm not going to speak to any individuals or this case. But the president has spoken That's to right. it already. He has spoken. His mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, came out saying that the president defamed her son. Uh-oh. And that claims, uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son is a white supremacist, he was doing that to win votes. Is that what happened? Yes. I just have nothing more to speak to in ongoing case uh, where the don't. closing arguments were. Okay, there you go. That's how she dealt with that. I got nothing more to add to this. Closing arguments are being made today. Don't want to talk about this. Um, vigilante justice is the takeaway. By the way, is that even what what happened? You can certainly, you can certainly ask the question as to why Kyle Rittenhouse decided to make the decisions that he made that took him to 
Kenosha, Wisconsin that night. But to say, to say that it's vigilante justice is a major misrepresentation of what actually went on. According to his testimony, according to everything we know, Kyle Rittenhouse went there to protect property and to um, help apply first aid and treatment for those who are being injured. By the way, Kyle Rittenhouse didn't cause the mayhem, the havoc, the riots, the fires, the violence that happened that night. They want you to think that he did simply by his presence. By his presence being there, he gave apparently everyone who could see him, which how could they even see him? It was late at night, right? I mean, you could see probably a silhouette, but they want you to believe that his mere presence justified whatever was happening that night. They were angry, right? And remember, this this whole thing, this whole thing was in response to the shooting of Jacob, what was his last name? I want to say Blake, Oz, Oz is telling me Blake. I, I got to pause because I think I said Flake at one, at one point in time. Jacob Blake, which we did later see footage of what he did, totally inexcusable and justifiable. In fact, the officer that shot Jacob Blake was never even prosecuted because it was such a cut and dry situation. Jacob Blake, you may recall, visited his ex-girlfriend or whatever she was. They had, a, I believe, a child together. He snuck into her room, she testified, and she woke up with him. He had his hands on her or some such thing, and she called the police. He fled the windows, whatever. He came back because they were having a birthday party for his son. He wanted to be there. She told him no. Obviously, understandably why, it's understandable why she did not want this guy there. The cops show up. He ran to his car, was not complying with their orders, opened the door, um, where there was a knife in the back seat that he was, they believe, trying to access. So this was all in response. Remember, this all, all this stuff, you look back, you look back over the history, and I apologize, my voice is not holding up like it normally does. But you go back over the history of these, over these situations, over these, uh, these cases that are often cited as police brutality against unarmed a black man, which I'm not saying none has ever happened. I, I'm I'm saying that they are very, very rare. And when it does happen, when it's unjustifiable and illegal, there should be consequences. This is as obvious as the noonday sun. I don't even want to play this game anymore where we have to say this because that is beyond obvious, reasonable, rational, fair-minded people all get that. But what happens is, what happens is they create a false narrative. Black Lives Matter comes in, uses basically just, they say, what's the guy, you know, someone got shot. Okay, was he shot by an officer? Yes. Was the officer white? Yes. Was the was the uh, the individual who got shot black? Yes. Okay, Black Lives Matter. We got to come in and say police. Here's another example. Before knowing a single thing, before knowing a single detail about this, they immediately begin to get people riled up to the point where they are burning things in the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin. I had a good buddy played football with me at Butler, who is from Kenosha, Wisconsin, as he would say, Wisconsin. Anyway, what about those folks? Kyle Rittenhouse went to the city in the wake of this ridiculous reaction 
unjustifiable reaction, illegal reaction. He goes, maybe he shouldn't have gone. I mean, I'm that's, but it's not against the law for him to to go. To say he was engaging in vigilante justice is beyond, beyond. I don't even have the the word. It's it's not even close to what happened. He did not go there. They want you to think this. He went there to simply begin picking off people who were involved in these riots. That's what they want you to think. But that is not what happened. There's no evidence to suggest that. This case never should have been brought. And now we've got the Wisconsin National Guard being ready to be called into Kenosha. Because heaven help us. And I hope he is acquitted. I want to say that for the record, but I'm I'm also saying heaven help us when if and when that happens because I don't know what's going to happen at that point. And the people on the jury know that too. And they're thinking about it. They they shouldn't be. The task before them is to decide whether the evidence presented by the prosecution is enough to eclipse the issue the the idea of reasonable doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse committed felonies that he has been accused of, which he's clearly not, by the way. But that is the issue at hand. We'll see what happens. Pray for this city. I hope there's peace. I hope no matter what the the verdict, and I hope it's acquittal, whatever the verdict, let's also hope that there's not a city on fire sometime this week. Quick timeout. Listen to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Back, my friends. By the way, program is brought to you by Freegee and Freegee Auctions and Marketing. You can check them out on the web to see what auctions they have coming up. It's Freegee Auctioneers with an S dot com. F-R-E-I-J-E Auctioneers dot com to see what auctions they have either on site in their conveniently located home base just a little bit west of Indianapolis in Clayton or can bid on a lot of these auctions online as well. In fact, I'm looking at a couple here right now. There's a farm and construction equipment off, auction coming up. There's a retirement farm online auction coming up, construction and farm equipment. A lot of that also real estate auctions as well. Check them out. Free G Auctioneers with an S, F-R-E-I-J-E, auctioneers.com. Be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Todd Huff Show. So, Alan Dershowitz, who, by the way, you know, I've I've really grown to like Alan Dershowitz. I think politically speaking, Dershowitz, uh, incredibly brilliant man, legal mind, all that sort of stuff. Um, politically speaking, very confused. Politically speaking, still believes, it sounds, to me anyway, that the home of civil libertarians is somehow the Democrat Party. That is mind-blowingly preposterous to me. But he was on uh, with Carl uh, Carl Bigby of, uh, of Newsmax over, this was over the weekend. And I just want you to hear his response um, to a question. Now, the question that was asked him was whether or not there's anything the judge... Uh, Higby, I'm sorry. Did I say Bigby? Sorry, I'm trying to do too many things here at once. 
Carl Higby asked if there's anything the judge could do related to the way the media is handling this particular, and it's not just this trial, right? I mean, I go back, we go back to the last big trial, um, which was um, the officer who was charged with, um, who's now been convicted, right, of of uh, George Floyd's murder. Um, but all these, there, it's it's hard to have a fair trial when you you allow you allow for so much emotion and conjecture, and I mean there were celebrities. Remember this? There were celebrities who were saying that there should not be, you know, you, you see the tape, there shouldn't even be a trial. I mean, crazy stuff like that, right? I mean, absolutely crazy stuff. But these willing idiots, I guess uh, useful idiots, maybe there's a better way of saying it, are paving the way towards this true vigilante justice. And that's really what Dershowitz says here. Don't say that Rittenhouse was actually out there conducting vigilante justice. The media is out there trying to promote vigilante justice. People like Don Lemon at CNN, tough guy Chris Cuomo over there as well. Joe Scarborough was another clip that Higby played. But I want you to listen to to uh, Dershowitz's response to this because this summarizes, I think, the main part of the problem we've seen throughout this trial. I don't think so. I think he has to go after the media by just doing the right thing. You know, this reminds me of some of the most horrible trials in American history. The Shepard trial, the trial of Leo Frank, the trial of African-Americans in the South, where the public demanded convictions. And if a judge tried to be fair, the judge would be traced out of town. Right. Uh, that's what's going on here. But the difference is today it's the left-wing media that is attacking this judge for trying to be fair. They want an outcome. They want a result. And if That's they right. don't get their result, and, you know, this seeps through to the jury. And I worry that the jury could be influenced by yeah. the fear that if they vote to acquit, they'll be called racist. Mm -hmm. yeah. They'll be attacked. It's not the thumb of the public that's on the scale of justice here. It's the elbow. And it's creating the possibility of an unfair trial and a trial that is dominated more by the public. We're going to see right. more of this. You know, the Potter case is coming up uh, in Minnesota, where a policewoman with a long history of being a good policewoman made a mistake and pulled out the wrong gun and now and pulled out a real gun instead of a taser. And the public is demanding that she be tried for murder. This is what's vigilante justice. Vigilante justice is what CNN is there doing, not what a 17-year-old right. kid under pressure may have done right or wrong. It's right. CNN who's involved in vigilante justice. It's the New Yorker that's guilty of vigilante justice. Well, having and been on the... He's right. He's right about that. You can't sit there behind your ivory microphones, your in your ivory towers at CNN, and simply start throwing the equivalent of Molotov cocktails without any sort of concern for what's right. I mean, branding this guy a vigilante. What's the point of that? I mean, what is the point of that? It's it's crazy to me, and I'm going to take a break, but it's crazy to me. You you watch how the local news reports, uh, I don't know, let's say somebody was driving a vehicle that struck 
a pedestrian. It was a hit and run. The, the way that they even report that now is a vehicle struck a pedestrian. They, they, they can't say Bill Smith, or sorry, Bill, if there's Bill Smiths out there. I know there are. It's not. I'm just picking a random name. John Doe hit somebody driving the car because they don't want to be they don't want to be legally responsible for that. They don't want to be guilty of libel or slander. But yet in this case, with Kyle Rittenhouse, it didn't matter. This guy was evil in the minds of the liberal media, in the minds of the Democrat Party. Anybody that watched the video, anybody that watched him get hit with the skateboard and everything else that happened, the idea... The idea that that was not justifiable, his actions in pulling the trigger, is absolutely not living in a reality that I even remotely understand as planet Earth. Because that is exactly, his, his actions were, hap, were, were justified clearly. This is not what the prosecution is trying to uh, tell folks that it is. And now we've got the, the National Guard, thanks to the media. I mean, it's, it is a mess. It is a mess because of... Identity politics, politicians that want to, you know, inflame emotions to get voter turnout, to get fundraising, to get one side to hate the other side so badly that they'll do anything to get to the polling location to vote against the other side. And meanwhile, they have no idea what they're voting for. People have no idea what they voted for with Joe Biden. They sure didn't vote for this junk that we're witnessing day in and day out right now. Anyway, got to take a break. Sit tight. Listen to the conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, if you want a case study, oh gosh. So, a couple things. I I, I mentioned a couple things. We're we're really getting to the time of year, believe it or not, that we're about ready to ramp up into the uh, the midterm campaign. Fox News article yesterday titled, entitled, House Dems Claim GOP is Too Dangerous. GOP is too dangerous to run Congress in latest midterm pitch as poll numbers plunge. I wonder who Republicans in the House are too dangerous for. Maybe we should ask Americans trapped in Afghanistan. Maybe we should ask people who live along our southern border. Maybe we should ask people who are running businesses. Maybe we should ask retailers who are trying to prepare for the Christmas season and can't get stuff from the ports because we got a supply chain crisis caused at least in part and maybe large part by our federal government. They're talking about more dangerous. I mean, I know they've got to talk like this. I know that they do. But that means they are out of ideas. Think about this. They've been in charge. If this is what the American people wanted, the message for the midterms would be, look at what we did for you. We made your life better, and you know it. But they can't say that because the American people clearly understand what these moronic, idiotic policies are doing to the value of the, the money they earn, their ability. This economy, folks, is an absolute disaster. I, I made several stops as I was preparing to do this show just to get a hot drink. And I couldn't find a place because no place was open because 
they were they're incapable of keeping staff right now. Talked with another friend who had the same who has the same issues. I won't go into all this. This is a very common thing for people in business right now. House Dems claim, however, that GOP is too dangerous. Isn't it funny? Like the evidence is right here for people to see. I don't necessarily mean ha ha funny, although maybe in certain instances, but it it's ironic. It's it's unbelievable. It's just if the media acts upset and terrified of Trump, that is more powerful than people actually living and witnessing the consequences of having an unstoppable liberal government right now. And that's what we have. So it's with that in mind that I want to read a headline to you. This is from hotair.com. This, my friends, summarizes, I think this encapsulates almost perfectly everything wrong with people that believe in big government. This is, I can't even begin to tell you how perfect that this is. I'm sorry, it's not from hot air, it's just the news. Justthenews.com. Are you ready for this? So Biden was out there touting yesterday his infrastructure bill, right? He's out there saying how great it was and how we can finally have infrastructure. I saw the chief of staff for the White House over the weekend talking, I believe, to Jake Tapper, saying something about how Americans have tried for 50 years to do infrastructure. What's he talking about? I feel like every time I've heard infrastructure in my life, we had shovel-ready jobs with Obama. They act like nothing has ever been done with roads and bridges and highways since 1950 or some such year. This is... 1970 maybe this is stupid right this is not living in reality but this is believable to people because for most people living in many people living in america today history began the day that they were born they have no idea that's why man on the street interviews ask questions like who did america fight in world war ii and people say things like portugal venezuela uh cuba Right? When did we fight it? 1912? These are the sorts of things you see from these men on the street interviews. But listen to this, listen to this headline. Keep in mind, this is the infrastructure bill that was just signed by President Biden. At least he thinks he signed it. Despite supply chain log jams, infrastructure bill allocates 250 million with an M dollars to target truck emissions at ports. Let that sink in for a minute. They're out there touting how they've saved America's infrastructure, ports and airports and railways and bridges. I mean, if this bill didn't get passed, they wanted you to think that a bridge you drove on over on the way to work was in risk of collapsing tomorrow because we haven't paid any attention to that for 50 years. And if we, you know what, if, if what they say is true and we haven't paid attention to that, then whose fault is that? What kind of idiots do we have in the government? Do do they not realize that things that you build, like roads and bridges and airports and whatever else that should be federally funded, I'm not going to get into all the weeds with that, but do they not get that those things have to be maintained and they have to have investment in them instead of spending two-thirds of our money, of of all government expenses, going towards entitlement programs? It's amazing to me how many people don't know that as well. They think it's all spent on wars, which I'm not saying that money isn't spent on wars, but when you compare defense budgets with 
social uh, social programs, entitlement programs, it is not even close. It's at least three times, maybe closer to four to four and a half times more that is spent on social programs. So, but we have, we have literally just passed a piece of legislation that is going to make it more expensive or more difficult to get things out of ports. I mean, this is to me the perfect illustration of the absolute idiocy, stupidity, and all things wrong with our federal government. And we'll talk about it more after the break. Sit tight back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, before the break, I was telling you about the geniuses, as Rush would say, the wizards of smart. That's one of my wife's all-time favorites, Rush one-liners. The wizards of smart in Washington, D.C. decided to put within this this so-called infrastructure bill, which, by folks, this is going to get some of these Republicans that voted for this, they better watch out. And I don't mean... You know, in today's world, you got to be so careful. I don't mean from physical violence or another so-called insurrection. I just mean if you want to keep your seat, you really should have thought through this vote. Because there's what, I think there was 19 House Republicans um, that that joined uh, this this piece of legislation um, to make sure that it passed. But they've literally put in that piece of legislation a mechanism that is going to target truck emissions at our ports when we are at a, in a supply chain crisis. Remember just a couple of weeks ago, remember they were complaining they were, well, I don't know that they were complaining because the left likes it. They don't like consumerism. And and look, I'm going to tell you as someone, I like people to be free. But, so I like people to be free, period. Then I have my own personal opinions, which I can use to, you know, persuade people or they don't have to listen to me or whatever. I would say that I think that a lot of Americans, um, I mean, we have a, a culture that is, overvalues consumerism and not everybody, not everybody. In fact, most of you listening to my, my voice are very responsible. Um, you know, you, you, you run a family, you run a business, you're involved at your church, you're involved with your kid at school or whatever the situation, you're very responsible. You buy the stuff you need and some of the stuff you want, but we have, we have a, a part of our culture that literally they have to order something from Amazon every five seconds, right? They got to get something every day, and they're still not satisfied. And I would tell them that that's because there's a hole in their heart that not that is not shaped with anything remotely close to what Amazon can deliver. But that's another story for another day. But the point is, the point is, we're a free society, and we have to be able to let. I mean, businesses should be able to deliver their products and goods. Um, without interference from, or as minimal interference as possible from the federal government. I'm not saying there's never an instance for the government not to do something, but the idea that right now at this point in time, we're looking at 
some sort of a supply chain or a additional issue for people to have to overcome who are shipping goods and services around this country is, is inexcusable. And on top of all this, fresh off of his, I think he's off of it now, maybe he's still on it, but I guess now, fresh off of his, what, his uh, paternity leave, Pete Boot Edge Edge is now going to be given control. So we've got Pete Boot Edge Edge, the what, Department of Transportation head, who's going to now determine, you know, he is the czar, the all-powerful, all-knowing, just knows the ins and outs. He knows when to implement tighter restrictions on emissions on trucks and when not to. He knows how to understand every intricate balance. One man, folks. One man, he was resting up during paternity leave to figure out he's all fresh and ready to go. He's got it all figured out. He's at the helm. Biden signed the law, cut Pete Boot Edge Edge the check, and everything's going to fall right into place. You wait and see. You wait and see what's going to happen here. They warned us months ago. You, they warned us month, months ago about not being able to get things at Christmas. And now I even remember commenting at the time about what they were really trying to communicate to us. But now as I see the passage of this stupid piece of legislation, along with some of the restrictions that may further delay shipment at ports, which they're already, they're already citing, at least in part, California emission standards on trucks at Long Beach and at Los Angeles, two of the, I think the two busiest ports in America today. So anyway, keep an eye on that. I get to take a break. Quick time out back in just a minute. Folks, I think I made it here successfully with the voice, and I apologize if you are a new listener. I promise you I don't sound like this most days. I do sound like this sometimes because because my voice, uh, the weather typically or something will affect my vocal cords every so often. So it's happened more this year than I think, man, and probably maybe ever since I started doing this six years ago. Anyhow. Appreciate uh, you tuning in and for your patience. Wasn't sure at one point there if I was going to survive with the voice, but we made it. Folks, I appreciate you listening. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care. Hey, Indy.